as we get into part four of love as a verb, you'll notice, and Pastor talked about this last week, the Bible never talks about love in terms of abstracts or feelings or philosophy. How does he talk about love? Do you remember? Love is what? An action. You are listening well. In 1 Corinthians 13, we see what love is. It is a deed. Love, beginning in verse 1, I want to read through that one more time. It says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, well, y'all can see it up there, can't you? But do not have love. I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. We learned last week, and over the last few weeks, that the Corinthian church was not real good about loving on folks. There was a lot of infighting. Now they had the spiritual gifts down pat. But loving one another, they weren't too hot at. The Bible says in verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Verse 5 or 6, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You can do everything else well. The gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues. You can be charismatic in your worship and you can have these things operating. But if you don't have love, what is it? It's just a racket, isn't it? What does that tell us? It tells us that it's self-edifying, that it is only for our enjoyment and fulfillment. And so last week we talked about patience, the first characteristic of love. Woo! Boy. Patience defined as possessing the grace ability, divine supernatural enablement to be mistreated over and over again. To have the power to retaliate, but never even consider it. Patience. How many of you, after last week's sermon, went home and prayed for patience? We had a man raise his hand. Some of you did. Everybody that raised their hand looks really mad right now because God tested it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, when we pray for patience, God will test us in that, won't he? He'll try us in that. So I saw the first person who raised their hand today and said they prayed for patience. I saw the hand over here. It probably wasn't the only hand raised, but it's the first one I saw. And we're going to do something with that in just a second, Eddie. Eddie's like, I'm leaving now. I'm done. First characteristic of love is patience. 
The second characteristic of love, we see in verse 4, it said love is patient and then love is what? Love is kind. Now, the flip side of patience, long-suffering, endures the injuries of others and is kindness. And kindness pays that back only in good. The definition of kind in this verse is to show yourself useful, to act benevolent. And so I want to show myself useful today and act benevolent toward a gentleman that I saw raise his hand just a moment ago. Mr. Eddie, would you come up to the front here? I have an option for you. Because you were the first person to raise your hand and were brave enough to say, I prayed for patience this week. Glory to God. You get to pick between a Starbucks gift card or a Bojanger. He picked the Starbucks. All right. You're welcome, Eddie. <laughs> All right. I got one more here. <laughs> Somebody went, I want it. <laughs> it's a Bojangles gift card. Now, here's... The brave soul that I want to get up and come to the front if they did this. You remember a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Dale was talking about the flannel pajamas and said the husband said, hey, I didn't sign up for that? Would the woman come front whose husband elbowed her and said, see, even the preacher agrees with me? <laughs> Guess I'm eating Bojangles today. <laughs> right back here. Come get it, darling. This yours. Yeah, you raised your hand because nobody's brave enough to say their husband said that. And I know they did. Give her a big hand. <laughs> I did. <laughs> what is the deal with flannel pajamas? You know, we got flannel sheets. We don't need flannel pajamas, too. Anyway, she's not here in this service, so I won't say this next service. Um, to be benevolent, patience says, I'll take anything from my enemies. Kindness says, I'll give anything. What? I'll give anything to meet my enemy's need. Not just the people that are nice to me. Not just my friends. I'll do anything to meet the need of someone who I don't really jihaw with. That's at the heart of it. Kindness, really, love is patient. And then love is kind. Kindness is the follow-through to patience. I'm going to be patient. God, give me patience. Help me be long-suffering. Help me endure this. And how do I do that when someone is driving me up the wall? I show them kindness. I give the person that's driving me crazy an act of love, an act of kindness. The root word in the Greek is useful. We already talked about that. I'll do anything that will be useful for my enemy that will be of use to another. I will live my life to benefit 
other people. Are we living our life that way? Do we live our life to benefit other people? Love, one person said, is a consciousness of using itself to bless others. Love demonstrated by kindness is not intangible. It's not just being nice. It's not just being kind. It's not just shaking someone's hand and having a smile on your face and saying, God bless you. It's good to see you today. Man, I hope you're doing great. It's not an adjective. It is a deed of kindness. An action verb. A deed of generosity. It is an act you do for someone else that they need done. Kindness. That comes completely and wholly from a heart that wants to bless someone else. And it doesn't just have to be your enemy. But it's easy to be kind to the people we like, isn't it? It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to us. What's harder is to be kind, to go into a said department store that I will keep nameless, and people that are checking you out act like you are bothering them because you are there buying stuff that makes their job possible. <laughs> it is one of my pet peeves. And I have to exercise kindness. God bless you. Is there something I could pray with you about because if I don't I'm about to drop an elbow on the top of your head <laughs> I didn't say I was here I just said this is what the Bible says okay we're all a work in progress right we're all arriving but kindness is a deed it is an action when Paul says love is kind it reminds me of Barney. I wanted to show it so bad today, but we couldn't do it because of copyright issues. But you remember when Barney was talking to Opie about giraffes and dogs? And Barney had taken the dogs away, and they were out in a field, and a storm came up, Sean. And Opie was worried. And... Uh, he says, Barney, what are we going to do about those dogs? And Barney said, man, those dogs will be fine. He said, they're low to the ground. They're not like giraffes. You know, giraffes are tall. And in that process, he goes through and he, he deduces that giraffes are selfish. Just looking out for number one, out in the field, getting hit by lightning. And then he looks at Andy and he says, well, are you going to just sit there? Are we going to go get those dogs, you know? Kindness is something we do for someone else. Oftentimes, when we don't really want to do it. Jesus said, love your enemies. He didn't say, feel good about them. I believe that's in Matthew 5, 44. We may have that. I don't know if we do. I think that's important to remember that Jesus said love our enemies not feel good about what they're doing 
Not appreciate the fact that they're doing the things to us or have affected us the way that they have. But he says, do good things for them. See, Paul's picture of love is an ideal. I told you this just a moment ago. The Corinthians weren't a great group of people. They talked about each other. They were at each other's throat. They were ill-tempered sometimes and talked about one another, behind one another's back. Y'all don't know anybody like that, do you? Paul is saying in the hard surroundings of a sinful, selfish church, in the hard environment of a bad world that brings negative influences to bear on love, it's in a toxic environment where the true character of love will really shine. It's easy to love when everything's good. It's easy to love when everything's easy, but when it's tough and it's toxic and you're called to love somebody that's difficult, that's the true test. See, there's a reason I read That's My King before I started this message. Because you're not loving them because of who they are or what they've done. We're loving them because of what Christ did for us. Did He love you first? Absolutely. He loved you first. And because He first loved you, then we are compelled to love our neighbor. The greatest commandment of them all. So let's look at some of the models in Scripture of this kind of kindness, of this kind of love. Of course, God the Father. God the Father. Pastor already read it last week. I'm not going to read it again, but I will reference it if you want to write this down in your notes. Romans chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. So when you, a mere human, pass judgment on them and yet do the, th the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness? forbearance and patience not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance see we've been forgiven God says right here you a mere human being you don't pass judgment on somebody else you're doing the same thing the same thing here's what we do you know what we do to make ourselves feel better I said this to our Wednesday night crowd we categorize sin. We put this sin over here and that sin over there and this sin here and this sin there. And, and some sins, boy, we can just hear in the church and we just we shudder. And others, we just don't even want to talk about because we're right slam in the middle of them. So we label it. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe you're a... Uh, a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever. And oh my gosh, that's, we got to pray for them. They need the love of God. They need deliverance. 
then I walk in anger, impatience. I'm a bulldog to get along with. I blew this this week. I bought a light, put it outside in my house. Because we got a light on the front stoop that birds nest in every single spring. And every spring, I tell my wife, I'm going to get the shotgun after them. And every spring, she says, you're going to move too. <laughs> you live somewhere else, you get the shotgun after them. And I, so I get this light, and I'm putting the light in. And I, I, I made a great decision this week. I bought this light and decided at 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to put it up. <laughs> I exercised tremendous wisdom in that. So with a headlamp only, digging up in the ceiling, I'm trying to figure out where this thing plugs in and get the lights all, you know, everything you got to do. I'm not going to get into all that. So I'm out there by myself. Nobody's come out to even check on me. You know why? Because they know. They're like, don't even, Daddy, if he's dumb enough to start it at 10 o'clock at night, he can do it all by himself. So I'm out there and I'm working and I'm, I've almost got it. And I'm like, ugh. So I walk in the house to take a break. And I look at my wife and I said, this is not a one-man job. Well, all you got to do is ask for help and I'll come help you. Oh, okay. Well, come and, come and just observe. I was out there about three minutes wrestling with a light in the dark, which was my first mistake. And after about 90 seconds, I walked that way and she walked that way. We didn't fuss at each other, but she knew and I knew I needed to walk away and not speak. I don't have this down. Can I tell you something? My attitude in that moment was sinful. It wasn't right to react. And boy, if I had blown up at her and got mad at her and chewed her out, that's wrong. I don't need to do that. But see, I look at this sin over here and go, well, now y'all don't need to be doing that. We got classes for that. Hey, guess what? They got classes for that, too. Mm. Stomp on my own toe. See, we do that. Pastor did it last week. I figured I'd do it this week. I'm going to go ahead and let you know how messed up I am. So, See, but when we can look at it that way, here's the value in that, guys. Then I'm able to deal with that, that attitude of my heart. And I'm also able to look at someone else and say, you know what, come along with me. Let me take you by the hand. You may be my enemy, but let me show you some kindness because guess what? I need it too. And we both stand at the foot of the cross and the ground is level here. You are not worse than me and I am not better than you. There is only one without sin. There is only one who loves perfectly and his name is Jesus. Would you walk with me?
Can we let that be our motivation? Can we let that be the thing that drives us? And I know I shared that story and y'all all looked at me like you've never done it. And all of you have. That's why you didn't get a Starbucks gift card today. <laughs> Another model that God the Father shows us is in His willingness to give His only Son on the cross. And we see this in Titus chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, he says, Remind people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready and willing to do good, to slander or abuse no one, to be kind and conciliatory and gentle and show unqualified consideration and courtesy toward anyone. For we too once were foolish See how all that's in yellow? Because I wanted us to all get all that right there. We too were once, what? Foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various sinful desires and pleasures, spending and wasting time in our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. When the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, if you ever wonder, well, what does that look like? That right there. That's what it looks like right there. And we've all done it. We've all done it. Next verse. But when the goodness and kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared in human form as the man, Jesus Christ... He saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness that we have done. I want you to read this last that's in yellow there. But because of... Because of His own compassion and mercy. Why do we show kindness to others? Because God showed it to us. And it is our response to His love and kindness in our own life. That's what He did for us. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. God is good. And His goodness is demonstrated in His actions. And then we see Jesus. And He's God as well. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we see the work of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. I think I'm skipping a slide, guys. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy. Do you know what that word easy translated translates into? Kind. My yoke is kind. Jesus is simply saying here, join up with me and I will show you what kindness looks like. Come join me. Come follow me. Because you've been operating in your own strength and in your own power and through your own will. Follow me. 
Take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy. I read of a story many years ago of a volunteer at a hospital. There was a young lady there named Liz who was suffering from a rare life-threatening disease. Her only chance of recovery appeared to be a blood transfusion from her five-year-old brother who had somehow survived the same disease and had developed the antibodies needed to combat the illness. The doctor explained the situation to her little brother and asked the little boy if he would be willing to give his blood to his sister. I saw him hesitate for only a moment before taking a deep breath and saying, Yes, I'll do that. As the transfusion progressed, he lay in the bed next to his sister and smiled. And as everyone in the room did, they saw color returning to her cheeks. Then her little brother's face grew pale. His smile faded and he looked up at the doctor and asked with a trembling voice, Will I start to die right away? Being young, this little boy didn't understand what the doctor had told him. and He thought he was going to have to give his life so his sister could live. That's what Jesus did for you. And that's what he did for me. So let me ask you husbands and wives. Are you kind to each other? I mean really kind. Is your first thought, what can I do to be useful, helpful, meaningful to my spouse after they've irritated me? How can I repay their anger with kindness? Or are you like the lady at the water cooler that was at work one day and somebody came up to her because she appeared to be in a little bit of a bad mood and they said, well, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And she said, no, I let him sleep. How do we treat each other? Are we kind? And look. I admitted to you this morning, I blew it the other night. Can we apologize? Can we go to the person that's going to be there? I've heard Pastor Jim talk about this. and A few years ago, I, I was homebound and injured. And I found out who would answer the phone at 3 o'clock in the morning. And get up and help me. When I couldn't help myself. Are we kind to her men? Do we treat her like the queen she's supposed to be? That she truly is? And vice versa. Although we're not a king, guys. So let your head just go right on down. If you're a parent here today, are you kind to your children? I mean, we're busy. Life is hectic. And just wide open. And do we exercise kindness? I don't want to take a blessing away from a dear, dear friend of mine, but we had a Pinewood Derby here. I want to thank our Royal Rangers and 
our ministry for young boys. It's a scouting ministry. They did a Pinewood Derby here last weekend. It was awesome. My boys said nothing to me about it. Didn't indicate at all that they wanted to do it. And So the night before, yeah. No, you laugh. It's, it's worse than it sounds. The night before, I finally thought of asking them, hey, you've never said anything to me about a Pinewood Derby. Yeah, you know, we thought we were going to be in a basketball tournament this weekend, yada, yada, yada. But can we just go? We did, ended up not doing the tournament. Can we go and, and just hang out? I said, absolutely. So I'm thinking the whole time, you know, selfishly, well, dad of the year here walking in with his boys and no cars, so we just get to watch everybody else race. And that's awesome. Way to go, Andy. Good job, bud. Knocking it out of the park in 2017. Get to the Pinewood Derby and... One of the most generous, kind men I know walks up to me, probably with a sense of expectancy, and said, I got two cars. Nobody's racing. If they want to race them, I'd love for them to do it. And not only did he let them race the cars, but he gave them to them at the end of the race. Our kids remember stuff like that. I come home from work sometimes and the boys will be out at the basketball goal just shooting hoops. And Do I pause and take time to go there first before I walk in? Just miss a few with them because that's about what I do. See how their day's been, talk to them, invest in their life a little bit before I, I walk in or am I just... Busy and on to the next thing. Are we kind to our neighbors? This isn't just a for parents or husbands and wives. This is aunts and uncles, grandparents, whatever, whatever place in life you are and whatever your family looks like. How are you investing in it? Are we investing well? If we were to measure it up against the love that Jesus has extended to us, how would we be doing? Paul is calling us in this passage to only minister in a non-retaliating, self-sacrificing manner not avenging and only returning kindness so that our spiritual gifts will mean something. So when we pray and operate in these areas that we're gifted, how about you think there's a gift up here for these guys to stand on this stage and sing and lead us into the presence of God? There's a giftedness there. But if they ever lost sight, and I know the people that stand on this stage, and I know their heart for God. Our band, our team out in the parking lot, anybody that serves in this church. If we ever lost sight of why we're really doing it. Then it becomes a little bit easier in the doing to be irritable. To be ill, to be frustrated. Not 
to respond in kindness. There were two men who met head on on a trail overlooking a dangerous precipice. The trail was only a foot wide and when they met, they looked at one another and said, how are we going to get past each other? I don't know how we're going to do this. And so the first thing they thought was, maybe we'll just get into some conflict about it. I, I look bigger than you. I think I can knock you off and I can go on my way. They didn't do that. They scratched their heads and finally said, the only way that this is going to work is one of us is going to have to lie down and let the other walk over the top of my back. That's the kind of love God's talking about. When He says love is kind, it's a kindness that doesn't mind getting walked on if it's going to benefit somebody else. That's hard to say amen to because we don't like getting walked on. We want What's ours? We don't want injustice. We don't want unpleasant things. But God calls us to do that. He's challenging us this morning to lay down and let someone walk so they'll know a clear path to safety. See, this isn't about us. It's about them knowing Jesus. When you talk about your enemy... And loving your enemy and being kind to your enemy. It's about them coming to a saving knowledge of who Christ is. Can we demonstrate that? Colossians, last passage we're going to look at today. We're closing. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. says, So as God's own chosen people who are holy... Set apart, sanctified for His purpose. That's what the word sanctified means, to be set apart. And well beloved by God Himself. I love what it says here in Colossians 3. It says, put on a heart of compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper. And hold it right there, guys. Don't go to the next one just yet. Another translation says, Chosen by God, this is in the message, For this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God has picked for you. And the wardrobe He has picked for us is compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. So how do we put on kindness? How do we do it? Well, in verse 13 it tells us. Bear with each other and what? Forgive one another. See, when we try to walk in kindness and we put this thing on and we haven't forgiven it's like trying on a suit when you're fully dressed. It doesn't work out too well, does it? Makes the job very difficult for the person doing the, the, the tailoring of your clothes. We've got to forgive one another. 
If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You got a grievance? Forgive that grievance. Now you all got a piece of paper when you came in today. And the reason that you got a slip of paper is because we are far more apt to do something if we write it down than if we just make a promise that we're going to do it. Or make a mental note. Because in 72 hours, 95% of what I've shared from this stage, you will have forgotten. Maybe in two. (laughs) I don't know. Depending on how sleepy you were this morning when you got to church. But if you write it down, you're going to be more apt to remember it. Now here's what I want you to do. Now the Bible's very clear on this. God says that we're not to come to this altar and stain it with our tears if we have aught against someone else. If we've got a grievance against someone else. And you don't have to write it down here. But if you have a grievance or a hurt or some unforgiveness that you're harboring in your life, and the ushers are here if you didn't get a slip of paper, I want you to write that down. And like I said, you don't have to do it right now. But I do hope you'll do it today. I do hope you'll write it down and say, God, this is something I need to deal with. This is some forgiveness that I need to offer. So that I can move on. So that I can move forward. So that I can walk this thing out the way that you have called me to walk it out. Because God, I know you've got better for me. Than what I'm living right now. One of the obstacles and roadblocks to kindness in our life is unforgiveness. And we don't forgive because they've earned it. We forgive because we have first been forgiven. If you are thankful for the forgiveness of God in your life. I want you to meet me at this altar as we close in prayer. Would you come as we pray together to close out our time? I want you to take that card with you. I don't want you to leave it at the altar. I want you to take it with you because I want it to be a reminder of who it is you need to go to. Or what it is you need to let go. It's going to look different for each and every one of us. But I pray you'll do it. I pray you'll take that step and say, God, I'm going to offer that forgiveness because I want to walk in kindness. I want love to flourish in my life. I want people, when they see me, I want them to see the love of God. I want them to see Someone who's willing to lay down in the middle of a trail and let somebody walk over their back so that they can get to safety. And I don't want them to see me, but in that I want them to see Christ. Father, help us love as you love us. Help us offer forgiveness 
As we clothe ourselves in kindness and compassion and all of those things, we recognize it is impossible to do without forgiveness. For some of us on that card, we're going to write the name of a person who has hurt us. Maybe a family member. Maybe an ex. Maybe a child. For others, it may be our own name. Everyone else has forgiven us, but we can't seem to forgive ourselves. God, that we would walk away from this altar and forgive as we have been forgiven. Now, Lord, I know that there may be some here today that have never received that forgiveness from you, Lord Jesus. So when I say forgive as Christ has forgiven you, that doesn't resonate. Lord, I pray for that person that is here today that has heard the message, that has heard your word. And is standing in a place of decision right now. Lord, my prayer is that today you would say yes to Jesus. He's dealing with your heart. I'm not going to lead you in a, in a prayer that you have to repeat after me. But I would encourage you just to pray right there in this moment. In your own words from your heart. And say, God, I surrender my life to you. I see in Scripture that you gave your life for me. You died on a cross so I could be forgiven. And I don't understand what all that means, Lord, but I just know what I've been doing in working. I'm searching for something I can't find. I'm miserable. I've known success and outwardly I look like everything's great, but on the inside I am I am miserable. I am aching and I am Today is your day. Would you say yes to him today? Say today I'm going to follow you God with all my heart. Lord you've challenged us today. Anytime we speak on this chapter. We, we love reading 1 Corinthians 13. At weddings it's beautiful and poetic. It's tough living. Give us grace, God, to walk this out for your glory so that people will see us and get a glimpse of who you are in this world. Lord, increase in our lives as we love the way you've taught us to. In Jesus' name we pray.